Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Roka Report Exiles podcast. I'm Brett Lines-Davis from Milton Keynes and today's pod we're talking about Sunderland's build-up to the 2020-2021 season. I think that's the last time I ever call it that. Um, looking ahead to Hull this weekend and once again going all Gokwan discussing the new away kit. Plus, of course, playing away. This evening I'm joined by Bomber from Gloucester. Bomber, how are you doing? Good evening, Brett. Yeah, all good over here. Thank you, mate. How about yourself? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Are you uh, are you all ready for the start of the season now? Does it feel like it's days away? It doesn't, you know. I think I think every, I probably speak for quite a few people in that I think we've been without football for so long that we've forgotten what it's like to look forward to a game on a Saturday. So I don't think until until the season actually starts and I you know check my phone for a latest score or result, I don't think it will sink in. At the moment, each day is pretty much the same. So yeah, it's a bit of a weird situation. No, it is very, very strange. And I think the fact as well that fans can't even go to the game on Saturday makes it that yeah. little bit stranger still, doesn't it? Um, mm. I'm also joined by Paul Hunter in London. Paul, how are you doing? Yeah, good, Brett. Nice to be back. Nice to hear your voice again. Thank you very much, mate. It's nice nice to have you on board. And, and yourself, are you um, are you ready for Saturday? Uh, no, not really. I'm actually going on holiday on Saturday for a week um, abroad. So, so you, you don't really care then? <laughs> yeah. Doing nothing for six months on furloughs really took it out of me. So I'm going abroad for a week just to do nothing. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'll no doubt be checking the score when I get off the plane in, in Greece. Oh, lovely. Very nice. Um, and finally, join me. For, he's been with the vocal Port for ages, but the first time he's come on to a pod with me. So it's um, Paddy Hollis in Aberystwyth. Paddy, how you doing? Not too bad, thanks. Uh, I'm actually currently in the northeast, So at the minute, I'm not in exile, but that's because of, that's because of the virus. I am usually in exile. Um, kick him off I know kick him off <laughs> but yeah yeah. so, so, so why, why are you with us then <laughs> well um, I got put in because obviously I've been I've been with now for a while and obviously I came up to basically see out the, the pandemic really it's great to have you on board mate so hopefully I won't scare you off and you'll come back on again soon <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine <laughs> so so let's jump straight into it then lads so we've had three pre-season friendlies um, we've won all three uh, so obviously there was uh, the 3-1 um, versus Gate, uh, Gateshead, 3-1 versus Carlisle, and then 1-0 versus Harrogate on Saturday. Um, Bomber, I'll come to you first, though. You know, where, where do you feel we're at now um, coming up to Saturday's games? I mean, I think, I think it's difficult to say, really, Brett. You, you know, the standard of opposition, whilst I appreciate... Uh, 
the the amount of games that we can get in will be limited and the the standard of opposition will be limited obviously we've we've kept relatively local in terms of our friendlies but the the you know the quality of the opposition that we've been playing you know we should be putting these t- teams away and we should be seeing it out relatively comfortably so whilst it's good to get as you see all over our team's social media it's good to get 90 minutes in the legs each time and get back that match sharpener um it's difficult to gauge where we're at because like i said any any other time, got Sunderland versus Gateshead, Sunderland versus Carlisle, Sunderland versus Harrogate, you'd expect three wins and three comfortable wins. I think possibly you could argue that the the latest result, the one 0 win against Harrogate, which was a you know a, a last few minutes goal from from Greg, um, is actually potentially slightly concerning. Um, leading up to our our first game against Hull, um, I'm I'm thankful that it's not a league game and that we still got a couple of games to go before um before the league actually starts. Um, but yeah, I don't really know to, to kind of sit on the fence. Um, it's good that we've you know scored three goals in two of those games, and it's good that everybody is getting minutes, and the new the new lads are, seem to be settling in um, and, are, and are getting minutes, and some of the younger lads as well. But I I really don't know where we're at. It's not really a benchmark that I can I can confidently say yeah we're where we should be no it is a difficult one um, as you say was the, the standard of opposition because i think it sometimes goes down to that that question and i was going to ask this um to, to sort of pull next where do results matter now i know you know a lot of players say it's all about um getting you know, your fitness up your, your performances getting your new new boys gelling in do results really matter paul at the moment or is it say is it is it about like fitness i, I think in pre-season i've always had that notion that it's more about the you know getting uh, minutes in the legs as opposed to the final result. But I do have to say, having watched the Harrogate game and having watched the Carlisle game last week, that I was sat watching both, and I, I'm I'm quite concerned about the start of the new season. To be honest, I think if an 18 year old Dan Neal doesn't come onto the pitch on the 85th minute against Harrogate, I don't think we would have scored. And I think both opposition goalkeepers in both games had it very very easy. We didn't really test either. Um, so I don't want to be too negative, but I am slightly concerned in that having watched both games, it felt like nothing had changed since March. It felt like we were watching the same Sunderland, same struggles, same problems that we all know in terms of pace, creativity and so on. So, yeah, I'm not too pessimistic yet, but there's definitely cause for concern. No, and again, as you're saying there, there is one of those things, which and I've seen it mentioned a few times, where as a team we had the second best um, defence last season behind Coventry. And we mm. seem to have, if anything, strengthened, or well, not strengthened, maybe the wrong word to use, but added to our defence. Um, yeah. However, up front is still lacking. Um, you know, Paddy, I'll come to you now. Let you get sort of like your sort of thoughts on, on pre-season so far before we delve a little bit further into it. Um, yourself, you know, are you sort of confident going to the season that, that this team is ready? I think... I do share a little bit of in the uh, pessimism in the sense that I think the, the team we do want to be going in you know getting promoted from this league which obviously you know we've it's our third attempt at it now I just think we should be looking a bit more decisive against these teams in the lower leagues so there is there is a bit of concern um, it's just I, I don't want to fall into the same trap I have in previous seasons where it's just like oh let's just see how the season starts because sometimes that happens and then you sort of five, ten games in, nothing's really improved from pre-season and all of a sudden you're sort of, or you're playing catch-up really. And I just think in probably in this league, this season more than our others in League One, um, we can't really afford to have too many slow starts in the early stages of the season. So I think we've got to, we've got to sort of, you know, 
get out the traps as quick as we can, really. And I think the the pre season games, you know, they don't really add much optimism to that happening. Well, based on that, and when you're saying there, you know, and I do agree, we we need to you know hit the ground running straight from the off. Does that mean that the whole game on Saturday, and then we've obviously got Aston Villa's under twenty ones on the following Tuesday, are they glorified friendlies to you then, Paddy? You know, is is that something where you know it doesn't, as I say, the result doesn't matter too much, but it's about trying to tweak this team. I think yeah, I'd say they are. I'd say especially the. Um, probably the whole game more than the Villa game. I think purely because it's going to be a chance to see what you know what one of the newly relegated teams how they're going to sort of shape up going into the obviously going into the new season. You know their their taste of being back in League One. Um, I think the way we sort of square up against Hull, it is going to be a good tester to see yeah just how how well this squad have sort of gelled really in the you know the shorter amount of time what they've had together. Um. And yeah, and I think obviously having the Villa game, obviously you know, soon after as well, um, it's just going to be a chance to, more than anything, probably just get some more minutes in the tank really for some players who we're probably going to rely on more than what we might think so at this point. Uh, for example, Dan Neil, you know, obviously he came on it as he said. I completely agree. I think if he didn't come on against uh, Harrogate, I think we we probably wouldn't have got the result there. And I don't think that's as much of a concern, but I think it's it's important to. Get those sort of players, uh, just get them in uh, running the team really, and obviously that's why really he needs to be playing a lot of minutes in these two the two cup games. And yeah, I think to be honest, to sum it up, I I would say they are just sort of glorified friendlies, really, in my personal opinion. Bomber, well, I see you're not in your head there. Yeah, so I think I think that it's a bit of a, a double edged sword because there there was a rumor going round uh, our WhatsApp group that Hull haven't had any preseason friendlies, but I don't know if you've had that verified or not. Uh, but uh, well, there, well, there funny, is a... funny enough, actually, Bob, and I was gonna, I was gonna play it like the interview hadn't happened yet, and like Rich was gonna give us a, a real exclusive. <laughs> but, oh. si- but since you've asked, um, yeah, they've had no um, pre official, and I use the old inverted commas there, pre-season friendlies. I think they've had they've had some sort of like behind closed doors, but it tends to be more um, made of eleven v eleven whole players as opposed to actual yeah, so, friendly. So yeah, so for that reason. I think, for all intents and purposes, Hull are going to treat it as a pre-season friendly. Um, so, you know, if we take it seriously and they take it as a friendly, then it should it should it should yeah. only go one way. But then again, it doesn't re- it wouldn't really give us a yardstick as to how prepared we are for the season because we're playing against a team who are, who are playing their first official kind of friendly of the season or first official competitive game. The one thing I would say pre-season is good for, and you can always spin pre-season. If you lose your pre-season games, it's oh, it doesn't matter. It's about the fitness. If you win all your preseason games, it's, oh, yeah, it's good to get that winning mentality and get used to winning. But the one thing I would say is preseason is essential for, for strikers. And it is good to see, regardless of the opposition, it is good to see Will Grigg, uh, Charlie White and a couple of the midfielders get on the score sheet and actually, you know, more than once and in more than one game. Because um, I think that will be crucial. That, that, that is probably the most important thing for me uh, for preseason. But to, to just go back to your point, yeah, I think the, the whole game will be a friendly, whether on whether we want it to be or not. Um, and the Villa game, you know, it's their under twenty three, so you know it depends how seriously we want to take the checker trade or whatever it's called this season. I think also uh, just on about how it's still sort of um, a friendly kind of game. You look at the way the fixtures are going to be congested this season anyway. Like, do we really want to be moving on in the League Cup? I know obviously not. It's it's nice to progress in a tournament, but. 
in a way, maybe it is good to sort of treat it as as a pre-season game, give a good run out to maybe some players who will be sort of rotation players this year and then perhaps get knocked out. And obviously it's, it doesn't sound great saying, oh, I want to lose a game of football because I don't want to lose it. But if you just look at the amount of times we're going to have midweek games and, you know, the sort of congestion which is in League One anyway, but obviously when you look at how the fixtures are going to be even more congested with what's happened then you know you have got to sort of weigh up the pros and cons of really putting the effort in i think against hull yeah this uh this these upcoming games remind me of the time when parkinson was first appointed i'm sure we had a couple of two or three cup games in quick succession yeah we did and i, I remember like it was yesterday everybody said you know quite happy go out the cups just concentrate on the league and what happened we lost the cup games and world war 3 broke out <laughs> and I, you can kind of see that coming here in my opinion and it's all well and good as saying you know it's all about the league but if we do lose against Hull and lose against Villa uh, under 21s or 23s you know the, the you know power of social media you know what's going to happen yeah. so um, is, I think if we do plan. lose it has to be in the the manner in which we do lose that's exactly what I was about to say then it's a really sort of it's that dangerous mindset isn't it where and you're exactly right. That's exactly what happened last year. That no one was bothered mm. about the cups until you get knocked out of the cups. Yeah. So you know, and if if we start this season, and what could be, could hardly say could happen is that we lose both Hull and um, the Villa game, or the Villa under twenty threes game, and then all of a sudden we've lost our opening two games of the season, yeah. and the pressure's already on. Then, despite us still being on zero points, like everybody else in the league. Mm-hmm. But the pressure is massively on. So, yeah, in, in one sense, you're 100% right. But there's a lot of games to play. It's going to be very, very tight. But on the other hand, it's like nobody wants to see us lose. So it's, right. it's, I think it's exceptional circumstances, though, isn't it? Like with, with the season starting later and it being more congested. For me, and I, and I hope for, for the majority of Sunderland fans as well, that the league, all right, the league cup, we're never going to win. You know, the chances are we won't get past the, the third or fourth round. Um, the only real gain that it will have to us will be financially in terms of prize money potentially. Um, but it's a it's a it's an extra fixtures that we could do without yep. the the league football league trophy. You know, we've got to a final already. Do do we want to get there again? Do we want those extra fixtures against under twenty three teams and the you know the league two teams etc. So for for me personally, if we were to lose both, let's say on penalties, I know I think the actually the football league trophy games do go to penalties, don't they? Straight to penalties. Yeah. yeah. So if we were to put in two yeah. decent performances and go out and lose both on penalties I, I wouldn't really care no. they didn't even finish the final did they this year uh, no, Pompey no, and Salford yeah. which kind of tells you how important <laughs> yeah. that trophy it's, it's, is it's way down the, the list yeah. of parties for the football league never mind the clubs <laughs> yeah. so in, in regards to pre-season then um, I know there's been sort of little bits of, sort of um, like negativity on, in the performances or scores at, you know, to a degree is there anyone that's come out of this that's really impressed and sort of taken the chance I know we've mentioned Dan Neal already but is anyone now that's maybe was on the cusp last season of getting the team or, or you know is now really actually forcing their way into that first 11 or is it going to be the same thing as always on Saturday um Paddy what, what are your sort of thoughts on any players that have shone so far um I think it's looking at obviously the performances so far and that I think I wouldn't really say he's, he's shone um but I think for him personally uh probably the fact that Will Griggs scored you know, he's like getting a couple of games and obviously goals under his belt I think that will do him quite a lot of good because I mean I don't know how much sort of notice he takes of like you know social media and that kind of thing but I think for for him going into the new season having you know just 
just found the back of the net. I think it's as simple as that, really. I don't think it really mattered about the, the performances he put in. I think just for him to just get just get some time on the pitch and get some goals, really, I just think that's going to... Hopefully, that will do him the world of good going at the new season. Um, do you think it'll help him, actually, not us not not having fans there on Saturday? Yes. I think, to be honest, I think a lot of our players will benefit from that. But I think, especially the likes of, you know, Greg, you know, he's a striker who... You know, we've had it in the past where you know we signed strikers. There's been a lot of anticipation, and it just hasn't worked out. But I think obviously in this sort of exceptional circumstance, I think our strikers, you know, particularly um, Grigg and White, you know, depending on how much game time White is actually going to get, I think it's going to do them a lot of good to play a competitive match in an empty stadium, because obviously you know you can take that side of the game out. You know, you can take out the the risk of you. You know, you have a bad touch, and then you know instantly you hear, hear a groan or a boo from the crowd and you know if that happens early on then that can be their confidence done for the whole game so I think it's going to be interesting especially for our strikers to be playing in that kind of atmosphere but in a competitive game because obviously at our level obviously you know that hasn't been done yet obviously, you know, because we've just had the pre-season game so it's going to be interesting I think obviously having these players who appear to us to struggle under the pressure of playing in front of you know the crowds what we get at the stadium of light it's going to be really interesting to see I think Paul for yourself um, obviously as, as we saw there it was great for like Grigg to get get a couple of goals on the, on the score sheet during pre-season has anyone else for you sort of really sort of shone at all only the the two names I've got down as who's impressed is, is Daniel through his you know cameos here and there and Bailey Wright at the back um we knew what we were getting when we signed Bailey Wright. Mm-hmm. He was a massive part of that good run that we went on after Christmas last year. And he just seems to hold everything together at the back. The massive worry with him is, of course, is his injury record. If he does get injured, I think we're struggling back there. But um, yeah, we just look a lot more organised and um, harder to, to beat with him at the back. So apart from Neil and Wright, I'm, I'm struggling. He does seem to really fit in well to the team as well, doesn't he? I think it's not just his his performances on the pitch. I know, and you see a lot of him sort of on like social media and stuff like that. He does seem to have yeah. that kind of of a, a strong personality as well. Yeah, which, he's. Which, uh, I think he was captain at Preston. I think he was maybe club captain at Bristol City. I could be wrong there. He was, yeah. But uh, and I think if you know potentially if he can stay fit, I don't see why he can't be made captain for Sunderland over the next. Uh, few years or, or whatever but yeah he's a he's a massive part of that defense and yeah we just pray that he he can keep himself fit no definitely well looking forward now then to um saturday's game so we did sort of mention um bailey right there as, as one of the uh incoming sort of players and they've also had aiden o'brien um that's coming as well since our last sort of exiles pod we've added uh morgan feeney from everton and remy matthews in goal from bolton um so they're now in the squad and before saturday's game we might have all well obviously been heavy linked so far and there's not been nothing official yet that danny graham might be coming in and the kosovan international arbonet shamajli um who i, I really look forward to saying that um <laughs> Not including those two, because at the moment, say they're not officially Sunderland players and they may not be come come the weekend. But for Bomber, for you, who's going to sort of start um, on Saturday's game? Now, so I think personally, I think the back five plus the keeper sort of picks themselves. Um, I might be wrong, but, you know, Burge, O9, uh, Willis, Flanagan, Wright and Hume. Apart from that, is there anyone else where, you know, where going forward? Who's going who's gonna to be playing? 
Well, I, I think it's you're going to see by and large. I, I personally think the pretty much the exact same team may bar maybe one change that we've seen over preseason. That's the one thing that does alarm me is if you take the two new potential signings out, it's just how thin our squad is. Um, I before this, before recording this, I was looking through kind of our recognised registered first team players, and you know now that we've got Feeney in, we've now got four centre backs. I don't think we've got anybody to cover Denver Hume. I think we've got probably two right backs, haven't we, in McLaughlin and 09. So I think you're right. That pretty much picks itself. I think we'll see Lee Burge in goal, um, not because of Matthew's error in the... um, in the previous game he played in but just because you know it makes sense that he starts the season as number one and then I think the only real decision is going to be whether Charlie Weichel will Greg start up top assuming we're going with the old 3-5-1-1 you know <laughs> however we decide end up playing it um, or 3-4-3 three, three. I think that's the only question mark is whether Weichel Greg starts so I think you're going to see Max Power in there um, you're going to see Gooch in there you're probably going to see O'Brien so yeah there's, there's not a lot of places up for grabs purely because there's not a lot of people to go and take those places at the moment so yeah I think I think we're going to see pretty much the same sort of lineup that you would expect from the back end of last season maybe with one surprise you know maybe Dan Neal's worked his way into a, a starting position and maybe Aidan Aiden O'Brien starts but other than that you know I don't think there's going to be any surprises really it is going to be interesting to see what what happens with Dan Neal um, because he really has like sort of pushed himself you know he's, t- he's pushed himself to like the front of the queue to at least be on the bench you know and mm-hmm. he's probably knocking on the door to, to get a star and it would be good to see him what he can do over 90 minutes in a you know a proper match um Paul yourself you know obviously we, I think we'll guarantee the, the backs where it's going to be going forward where, where do you see things lying I think it's going to be as, as Bombers just said I think it's going to be pretty much the same team that finished uh end of last season maybe I think Scoen might start instead of Dobson so he'll have Scoen next to power Scoen did look like he likes to um have a shot uh from distance, which could be a plus because Power and Dobson only got uh, two goals between them the entire of last season. So we might see Scone start next to Power. I, I just throw Dan Neal in. I think we've got nothing to lose. Uh, got first game of season, got nothing to lose. Um, <laughs> I think that the thing with Dan Neal is I don't think either of us, well, any of us quite know if he's, uh, would he play next to a Power or a Dobson or a Scone or would he take a Gooch or Maguire spot in a more advanced role? I don't think we've seen enough of him yet to kind of figure that out. But um, I think he'll go with Wyke up top. I think, you know, we've done the, the Wyke and Grigg debate a million times over now. Um, and yeah, I think it'll be pretty much more as we were. And Paddy, I'll come to you as well. Are you, are you saying the same? Uh, pretty much, yeah. I do like the idea of um, if if Dan Neal's going to play, if he's going to start a match, then the ideal situation is opening day cup game. Um, I think it would be good to have him alongside um Dobson or power because I think, like we said, obviously we we do need a bit more bites going forward in in that sort of central midfield position because really you know power and Dobson they didn't create anywhere near as much as they should have last season I don't think um, and I think it obviously it would be good to see um, Josh Scowen in there in there a bit more so yeah it's a, a very similar really but I I just think the main point I would take out of it would be uh, get Daniel starting really because I think it's just an ideal chance for him. yeah. Definitely, definitely. I think it's quite, it's quite. I think it's quite um, funny how you know we were at the at the end of last season we were all clambering for you know the likes of Embleton and uh, Jack Diamond and that to to be given the chance and now all of a sudden no one's talking about him and everybody's talking about Dan Neal. I find that um, 
find that quite surprising. Yeah. But mm. he just seems to come out of nowhere and, and jumped ahead of the pair of them in terms of the fans clambering for, a, for him to start. I, I do think, though, it, it is, it's sort of like, I think it's actually quite good that we've got Dan Neil coming through. And at the same time, we've also got Diamond and Embleton who are going to be part of the mm. squad. And you've got to think it's, it's really good to have two other promising players who yeah. maybe aren't getting as much of a mention as Dan Neil, but to have them still around the squad, it's, it does show that maybe in terms of getting the right kind of younger players in, we are moving in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, just, I just wouldn't want them to kind of get forgotten about uh, and then we end up in the same situation as last season going, oh, we should have given them more game time and, yeah. you know, ultimately we end up falling foul of it and potentially losing them. The one thing on Diamond is what I would say is uh, he only came on towards the end, I think, against Harrogate. Game before that against Carlisle, he was playing left wing back, which I think if we're going to give these kids a chance, we've got to be fair to them and play them in their proper position. Yeah, you've got to give them the proper chance to impress, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. No, that is definitely it. And one thing um, I did want to ask all three of you then, um, as I said, there was uh, heavily linked with um, with two players, one of them being Danny Graham making return. And I just wanted to get you know, your thoughts on that. You know, If he does come back, you know, obviously we had him, what, Five years ago, maybe now, didn't set the world alight by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Bomber, I'll come to you first on that. You know, would you be pleased to see him back? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. <laughs> you know, his, his, I've got nothing against him. And, you know, even that's that spell he had with us, the two or three years he had in the, you know, in the mid 2000 and teens. Um, you, you couldn't fault his endeavor and his, his work rate, etc. You know, he gave everything, but he just wasn't good enough. And he's not been good enough, in my opinion wherever he's gone since. Um, you could argue, you know, 40, 45, 46 goals for Blackburn in the four seasons he's been there is a reasonable return, but, you know, is it? Um, it's, it's the best probably return of, of his career, but I think I would much rather see us take a gamble on a good young striker than bring Danny Graham back because I just don't think he's going to... He's going to be another... He, he's going to be third behind Wy- behind Wyke and Greg, in, in my opinion. Um I just don't see what he brings. I think it's a it's a, it's a waste. You know, most squads that t- challenge for a title or challenge for promotion have four options in in the striking department. And whilst he is an option, I just don't see him being a very good one. Um, and certainly not enough to help us. Certainly not what we need. Um, and as for the other guy, I, I don't really know much about him apart from there's you know quite a bit of a buzz about him. Well, which which other guy was this? The uh, the Kosovan <laughs> guy that you uh, you mentioned, <laughs> Brett. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know anything about him, so I can't. I couldn't possibly comment. Um, but but Danny Graham for me, no. You know, let's 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 set our sights elsewhere. You know, if he does come and he proves me wrong, great. But I'm not excited by that at all. No, that's that, that's fine, then, mate. And Paddy, yourself, are you feeling the same as Bomber? Yeah, I'm. I'm really in in the same camp as Bomber. I just think, you know, we, he's been mentioned for quite a few weeks now, and I don't know. It just it doesn't really fill me confidence that this is the kind of player who, at 35 years old, we're looking to bring in. And as he said, I don't really think... I just I can't see him scoring as regularly or more regularly than what Wyke and Grigg have been. And I just think it's going to be... Mm. As he said, you know, other teams in League One have gone out and they've, you know, they've taken a risk on a young player who's maybe scored goals, you know, at the sort of fourth, fifth, sixth tier, and it's worked out. And I just think that... It's we're better off doing that. I just I don't see why there's so much sort of clamour to get him back in because yeah I, I know it was a few years ago and it was in the Premier League but his performances you know if we see that again 
in League One, then it's it's going to do the confidence of the team and the fans is just going to plummet once again because they're going to have another striker who is going to struggle to score goals. And to be honest, we've had too many of them in the past, Danny Graham mm. being one of them. So I just don't really see why we're so eager to bring him back in, really. Yeah. And again, so, uh, Paul, I'll let you have, a, you have a go as well in case you're going to disagree and prove us all wrong. But Yeah, the problem I have with the signing of uh, the potential signing of Danny Graham is the other two strikers that we currently have. When you add Danny Graham to Wyke and Grigg, I mean, if, if you can get promoted with those three strikers, then you've done very, very well. <laughs> if we had a capable centre-forward who could hold the ball up and had a bit of pace, I, do you know what? I, I'd probably take a punt on Graham to bring him in as a number two um, striker and hope and gamble that the qualities that he does have are um, maybe a step above your average League One defender, if that makes sense. Yeah. Maybe you yeah. can you know, be a bit smarter upstairs and... Uh, almost like a sort of Teddy Sheringham type role. Um, but yeah, I think probably clutching at straws there. But, but, yeah, didn't we hope that for Carl Lafferty as well, though? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'll so give all three of you. If, if you're not scoring goals, Danny Graham is, isn't the answer to that. Um, before I move on, does anybody else want to have a crack at saying, pronouncing this Kosovan International's name? Jemajli. Arbenice Majli. There you go. Well done. You almost mate. sounded like you were putting on a bit of like an Eastern Bloc <laughs> accent then. <Paul. laughs> Said in a Borat style. Yeah. Right, moving on. Our man Rich Spate is well, he's live right now, Bomber, speaking to somebody. <laughs> Earlier on today, he caught up with um, Luke Flanagan from Tigers, Tigers, blah, blah, blah. Here's what they had to say. I'm joined now by Luke Flanagan from Tigers, Tigers, blah, 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 which is a whole city podcast, and he's a whole city fan. How are you, Luke? I'm very good, mate. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for joining us this evening. Last time your club were down at this level was 2004, 2005. I lived in the Hull and I was regularly attending the KC. Um, <laughs> I get my fix of football every week. And after like getting established in the Championship, you had five seasons in the Premier League. And the club have never really looked like dropping back down to the lower levels. On the 1st of January, as I'm sure everyone will know, you were like eighth in the Championship and now you're back yep. down here in League One and we've got the first round of the of the EFL Cup. So how have you ended up here? Was it loss of key players or what? Um, it's a long story. <laughs> um, effectively, I think what, what the biggest thing was uh, the owners, the current owners that we have came in around 10 years ago um, and it was positive to start with. And then they did the whole thing that um, everybody I'm sure is aware of where they tried to change the name to, mm-hmm. to Hull Tigers um, and that divided a lot of supporters um, and they didn't get their way with a name change. The FA didn't let them. They also couldn't buy the stadium off the council, which they didn't like either. Um, and since then, it's it's kind of turned a bit sour. Even though we have had you know two, three seasons in the Premier League, um, it's just kind of got worse and worse as the years have gone on. Um, and obviously, as you say, we were eighth last year, or start of the year this year, um, yeah. after the Chef Wednesday game, and we finished 24th. So it's a massive fall from Chris. You know, simply, we, we sold two of our uh, most creative players uh, in that January transfer window. We sold Kamal uh, Grzycki to, to West Brom, who obviously is now a Premier League player. Um, and then Jared Bowen um, went to, to West Ham, uh, where he's ripping it up, to be fair, when I've seen him. So good luck to him. But the, the manager, it, it can take a lot of the blame because he played one way with those two very good players and it worked. And he didn't have a plan B when they left. Um, and that's where we, we got to. We had a horror horror show with injuries just before lockdown, and I did hope that when we got back after lockdown, the majority of players were back, 
Um, but it didn't make a difference. <laughs> we won one game um, and drew one more. And that was it. I think it was four points out of um, well, about nine games. So it was just a rotten run, uh, which culminated in three nil defeat, sending us down at Cardiff. Um, so it was a fairly depressing 2020 for all City, really. Yeah, it, it looked heartbreaking, the aftermath of that game against Cardiff a few weeks ago. And your season ended in July. We stopped playing in March yeah. when, when League One was cancelled. So how has the Tigers pre-season gone? You've not had any friendlies, is that right? Um, yeah, <laughs> none that were publicised. It's been a kind of constant source of annoyance for a lot of City fans, myself included. Obviously, fans want to want to know about um, any of the pre-season friendlies that are going. I understand in the current circumstances, you know, you can't advertise a, a friendly because fans will turn up, won't they? Um, mm. I, I understand that. Um, but they, I know they played two games against Rotherham on Saturday at, behind the, at the KC, behind closed doors, two different 11s. Um, and it depends who you ask as to what score it was. The only, the only footage we've got is about 10 seconds where James Scott, who we signed in January, scored a nice lob and that was that was on his Instagram story that was that was the only proof that we have that that actually existed um so there was absolutely no coverage from the club no coverage from anybody um so it's been really bizarre it's almost been like they're, they're trying to keep everything a secret well I don't know why you'd do that because I know for example Sunderland they've they streamed one yeah. if not all of the the preseason friendlies for fans to watch so it does seem a little bit baffling um and we've got no real clue as to to how the squad is shaping up with the new signings that we've done. We've got no real clue as to how they're going to perform on Saturday against against Sunderland. So it's a bit of a weird one. Yeah, How important do you think the League Cup is going to be then for, for Grant McCann uh, this term? Do you think it's going to take it seriously or is it going to be... I mean, we've been discussing amongst ourselves whether Sunderland are going to see the League Cup and the, and the trophy as an extension of pre-season at this stage. Um, do you think it is important for, for McCann? I think he needs to get wins, whether it's in the cup or whether it's in the EFL Trophy or whether it whether it's in the league. I think fans are going to expect him to. I know mm-hmm. Sunderland's a big club, and I know he's been down in in League One to be a second season, well third season. Third season, yeah. So a big club and like forty eight thousand capacity stadium. Yeah, it's even if it's half full, you've still got our stadium numbers kind of full because we only hold twenty five thousand. But I think the fans are going to expect wins straight away because as you say we've not we've not been in league one for 15 years so uh, uh, there's a lot of expectation for us to do well straight off the bat i think um if i mean if they don't if, if they don't win which i, I personally I, I think sunderland will nick it uh, i think it'll be a close game but i do think sunderland will win um and I, I don't think it's the end of the world at all because obviously then there's the afl trophy they're all in different groups aren't they so there's, mm-hmm. there's four four teams in each group and it's it's all kind of divided up but i do think he needs to to kind of win the fans back, so to speak, because two wins in 2020 ain't good enough, is it? It certainly isn't. I mean, <laughs> we, you do have to get back to winning ways, but you've done some some decent transfer business over the summer. The, the name that stood out for me was Greg Doherty from Rangers, who we were interested in, I think, back in January. Have you been impressed with the business? Uh, fairly, actually, yeah. Yeah, and fair play. I mean, you know, they, they need to recruit for, for a good League One finish and try and push on for the top half of the table or playoffs, I think. City fans will expect playoffs minimum. I don't know about mm. myself, but with with the state of the club, I, I do think that um, this is all about consolidation this season. But yeah, I, I was impressed with the Doherty signing. Impressed with, um, with Louis Coyle was obviously player of the year for Fleetwood last year. We've signed him. Mm. He's a hometown boy as well, so he, that that's a good one. Um, and I'm also being impressed with uh, there's another uh, Richie Smallwood uh, from Blackburn yeah. uh, in the midfield. He'll give us a bit of bite, which is exactly what we didn't have. Um, we had no kind of leader in midfield. 
um, or over, anywhere of the pitch, to be fair. And he's been made club captain already without playing a game. So you can see how, how little kind of choice there was in terms of leaders before. So I think they've recruited well, certainly. But I just want to be, yeah, I just want to see how those players fit into that system because Grant McCann plays 4-3-3 and, does, and never changes, ever. So <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. So, I mean, you talk about bite in midfield. You talk about captains and leaders. Last summer, you took our captain, George Honeyman, to the club. He was always divided opinion among Sunderland fans, but is is still well-loved and well-respected, obviously, as a hometown lad and obviously still loves the club. We had a podcast with him over the summer and I think it's still a bit raw with him, just the way that the transfer came about. But how has he settled in and, and did he impress the fans last year? Um, took him a while. I think it was difficult for him because he'd, he'd been at Sunderland from, I think, the age of 11, Yeah, if that's not right. Um, so your first move somewhere else, he's obviously a Sunderland boy and it's going to take time when you've when you've left a club that you obviously have a big affiliation for, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I think to start with, it was a little bit underwhelming. Um, I think the, the, the problem that you had was that he, was, he could never nail down a place. Um, there were always players that were preferred in his position. What, one thing that did impress me, though, was after the lockdown period and we, we had Herbie Kane on loan from Liverpool and he just started to hit form and then got a season-ending injury. Uh, and Honeyman came in to fill that void and actually he really impressed a lot of people. They didn't really have a high opinion of Honeyman before, but his set-pieces in particular caused constant threat you know, from, from the set pieces, corners, free kicks, that sort of thing. And it, and he was one of the only ones that always showed for the ball. Even when we got whacked by Wigan 8-0, he was one of the only ones who was actually showing for the ball and wanting it and trying to make things happen. And, you know, saying to players, you know, you're feeling sorry for yourself, get your act together, you know, mm-hmm. you have some pride in your shirt sort of thing. So I've gone from being indifferent towards him to actually really liking him as a player. Um, no. And I'm sure, I'm sure City fans, had, 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 many City fans would probably agree with me with that. Yeah, I think if there's one thing you can be guaranteed with George, he'll always give 100%. You know, mm. he'll, he'll leave nothing on the pitch. You know, he's a, he's a proper professional. Um, Definitely. And, and, and I think that was why he was made captain of the club in 2018 at Sunderland. Looking through your squad, many Sunderland fans will recognise the name um, Tom Eaves. Uh, yeah. He scored twice against us for Gillingham in 2018-19 and, and really was one of our top transfer targets in January 19 when we brought in Will Grigg. But he only got... Eight is it eight in forty four for you last season? Yeah, four in the um, league. So is he still the one you kind of pin your hopes on for goals in the season ahead, or have you brought in players who might be ahead of him now? It's a difficult one. That I think I think the championship was too much for him, but I also mm-hmm. think the way we played didn't suit him. I think he'd play much better with a with a striker off him. I think there's better of a two and, and getting balls into the box and stuff. And we we didn't do that. Um, I think the biscuit for him and Keen Lewis Potter to play up front. Um, it's a young lad that, that's like a, a local lad that, that a lot of City fans are, are really wanting to see get a run in the league and he never really did which was another way that people were annoyed with McCann to be honest um, but I, he's obviously done it in League One before with Gillingham hasn't he so you would yeah, hope absolutely. that th- this would be his level but I'd, I'd love to be proved wrong but I just I don't know if I can I, I can't see it his, his confidence is just bereft <laughs> he didn't have any at the end of the uh, at the end of the, the campaign last year and I think you're looking at more sort of you know wide players who can cut in like like James Scott and Malik Wilkes maybe, um, but even then you know you, you, we should, we we need another striker as well. We need another striker as a, as an alternative to Eves, and we haven't got that just yet unless one of the academy boys comes through. So 
we'll have to see. Um, jury's out on him, I'm, I'm afraid, for me. I'd w- much rather have had Will Grigg that you got. <laughs> well, I was going to say, because it does it does sound very much like the kind of situation that Will Grigg's got, got himself in at Sunderland, really, where a player's come with... with good League One pedigree, certainly, and has his confidence knocked and, and really doesn't find his form again. But from what we've seen in the in the pre-season games that have been streamed, actually, Will Grigg looks pretty sharp and fit. So we're, we're I don't know, cautiously optimistic um, or stupidly hopeful, depending on <laughs> where you want to look at it, about whether Griggy will actually manage to settle and start scoring the goals we expected in the year ahead. And I'm sure it's the same for Eves. When you look at the Sunderland squad, mm. what players stick out for you as being important for Hull City to kind of get to grips with and stop on Saturday? I think Will Griggs a big one, to be honest. Um, I, th- he, I mean, he will be playing, won't he? Oh, I'm not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be uh, guaranteeing that. He seems to still prefer Charlie White as his first yeah. striker, but we'll we don't know. We've seen four, six different lineups. Whether whether it's whether it's Whitehall, whether it's whether it's Grigg, I think. Our defence is going to struggle against, you know, players with that um, that kind of fox in the box in front of the goal. Um, the city defence is notoriously one where if you concede early, the heads go down. Right. Um, and I can imagine if it's Sunderland's first game, proper game for a long time, because you haven't played him since March, have you? Properly, yeah. apart from pre-season, I think they'll be proper out of the traps, and I think City will be under the the cosh for a lot of it. There was a, a lad that caught my eye, which is a uh, a, a, one of the young lads um, is the I, I forget his name. He's he, he's he's come through the youth system and he's been playing the pre-season friendlies. You'll have to remind me of his name. Well, we've had um, Jack Diamond who was at Harrogate and uh, Dan Neal who's emerged. Dan really. Neal, yeah. Dan Neal, yeah. Just broken into the the first team picture really. Yeah. Uh, in the last th- in the last three games, I'm really impressed. Yeah. Um, I did see some of the highlights of the the game at the weekend, um, the Sunderland game. Mm-hmm. So I think I don't know if he'd be kind of a left field shout for a start. I think maybe he'd be more sort of off the bench. But um, that's he'd, he'd be definitely one that you want to look for the season. I think that's one of your kind of players that's going to come through along with uh, along with, with it, was it Diamond, the other one yeah. who was at Harrogate. Um, so I think to be honest, I think I think you'll have too much for us. I don't think it matters which players you play with. I don't know if that's just me being very very pessimistic because of. You know, the last however many games in 2020, we've won two games in the league. Um, it's very difficult to get that negative kind of mentality shifted, isn't it? Mm. Maybe the new players would help, but I don't. I, I personally don't think it matters who Sunderland will pick. I still think they'll win. <laughs> um, and that's obviously that's very pessimistic, but I think that's the way a lot of City fans are feeling at the minute. Well, we, we know about pessimism, especially yeah. <laughs> after you've dropped down a couple of divisions. So, I mean, you've given your prediction for this one. You said, I think you said 1-0. You think we'll, we'll nick it? It's either 1-0 or 2-1, I think. I think I'm going to go with 2-0 um, to Sunderland because, actually, if there's one area of the pitch I'm not overly concerned about with us this season, it is at the back where I think bringing in Billy Wright has been has yeah. been possibly you know the thing that, if we are going to go up, might in the end be the, the crucial factor. Um, yeah, and the fact that you have not had a pre-season, really, in, no. well, as, as far as we know, <laughs> or as far as anyone's been definitely, able to see. Definitely two games, but behind closed doors and different 11s, yeah. so you, you're only counting it as one, really. And yeah, we'll see, I'll see obviously tonight I'm at the under-23, so some of those lads will be playing in the first team, we'll just have to see which ones break through. But I, as you say, I think, you know, for the defence, like the defender you got, 
I think we'd kill for somebody like that for proper solidity at the back because it's just not what we've had. Certainly. No, I mean, it, it really is. that That's the foundation I think we're going to build on this year. So wish you all the best for Saturday and, f- well, for this evening and then not really for Saturday, <laughs> but for the rest of the season. Luke, it's been lovely speaking to you and I, and I hope um, we go up in the top two with Hull City because I certainly have a, a soft spot for City having uh, been there many times myself. I have a couple of Sunderland fans uh, who are friends as well, so I, I, I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be upset if uh, if we if we both ended up going up to the championship. I don't think it'd be any bad thing. I think it'd be great. So finally, Luke, uh, where can listeners find your podcast and and the other bits and pieces that you do? Um, so the easiest way to go is on Twitter, uh, which is at Tigers Blah, and then all the links are there. So we're on Spotify, Apple all the usual podcast outlets and yeah that'll be the best one to find i think on twitter super cheers luke lovely no to worries. Meet you. so that was luke flanagan there from tigers tigers blah 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 with our man rich spate um so yeah confirming you know what we did say earlier that they've not sort of had any um official friendlies so far this season um luke wasn't the most positive um, of mindsets about the game. Um, obviously, he said there that you know it'd be either a one nil or two one um, defeat for Hull, and then Rich went for a two nil Sunderland. So they've both gone for a Sunderland win. Um, Bomber, what's your prediction then for uh, for Saturday? Uh, so I would I would go along the lines of uh, with Rich's. You know, I I will predict us um, a win. I think there's the I think we'll. Whilst not tr- probably treat it as a fully fledged competitive game, I think it'll be you know a gateway for Parky to step up preparations for that first league game. So it'll be a, the most seriously taken one as we've had, whilst still probably tinkering a little bit. Whereas Hull will treat that as a friendly. So I I can see it not being the greatest of games, but us coming away two nil two one winners, um, and hopefully a, a, another another goal or two for for one of the strikers. So that's Bomb's prediction there. Paul, what were you thinking? Uh, I'll go for a 1-1 one, one draw. Does it go to penalties? Straight to penalties, will I think, do, yeah. It? Straight, straight, straight uh, to penalties. No extra uh, time, I would have thought. I might be I'll wrong, go for but... us to win on, win on penalties. Win on penalties? Yeah, and... but I'll... Yeah. And then Paddy? Uh, I'm going to go for 1-0 uh, Sunderland. I think it will be scrappy. Uh, and, but I think, um, sort of agreeing with Bomber there, I think our maybe slightly more serious approach to it, purely because it, it will be, well, it'll be Hull's first game of any sort of kind, really. Um, I think I think that'll give us the edge, really. I think it'll be maybe sort of 70th, 75th minutes, might grab a goal, sort of maybe uh, that sort of time we'll finally sort of grind them down. Um, but yeah, I don't think it'll be a classic, but I can see us being on, being on the winning side. Yeah, it, it does have the feel of a, just a hard, for you know low scoring game doesn't it so um moving on so last time um well we were on the uh the home kit had just been released and myself chris and john got all got one and uh discussed it and let our thoughts be known so the other day our new away shirts just come out um paddy i'll jump to you first on this one so it's a uh, navy shirt red collar red shorts navy socks um a little bit of a throwback um in my eyes to the avec mid-90s shirt uh where do you stand on it mate you're buying it it's i'm quite i'm quite disappointed with it to be honest i just think i can see how They've sort of tried to go back, you know, on like and try and make, give it a bit of a retro style, especially with that collar. But I just think that the, the I, I'm in no way 
like in the position to be a fashion critic but, but <laughs> I just I just don't see how that bright red of a collar goes with that dark blue of a shirt I think if you take the collar off it's a really good kit um so I think looking at like sort of the last few years at our away kits a lot of them have been very good I think one of my favorite ones was probably the it was quite simple but the one we got relegated in from the championship that sort of sky blue one but I just think to get the home kit so right this year and then I just feel like too many things have gone wrong with the away kit um I mean that that saying no I might end up buying it at the end of the season but I'm not going to be paying paying full price for it, I don't think I'm I'm not really a fan <laughs> Pull yourself. Uh, yeah, I quite like it. I'm not one to sort of buy kits these days. I'm sort of retro or nothing, probably because I live in London and think I'm a hipster. Um, <laughs> but no, um, I, I don't mind it at all. I, I prefer, you know, something, uh, as I said, more retro, something humble would be nice. But uh, yeah, don't mind at it all. It's got a bit of like inner detail, I think, on this sort of shirt in terms of like uh, some kind of shape. Yeah, some small angles, yeah quite like chevrons. That. Yeah. yeah, don't mind that. Don't mind that. Don't mind no, it at all. You're a man after my own heart, Paul. I've said many times on these pods, so it, you know, 1992, our kits reached perfection and will never, ever surpass those kits. Those Hummel ones, you know, with the red, with the collar, red and yeah. white sleeves, the, the, the 92 Cup final away shirt, Vorks, I'm if, done. <laughs> if we ever go back to Hummel, they've got the easiest job ever because they just need to copy what they did in 1992. Yeah, that designer's will, got the easiest they job will ever. Sell absolutely yeah, they shed loads. The thing is that they'll probably never sell any more shirts after that though, because everyone will buy like that seasons and have no <laughs> yeah. need to buy a new kit. So, <laughs> bummer yourself. Are you going to be wearing that away shirt around Gloucester? Uh, I probably won't be buy it, won't buy it and wear it. But that's again because <laughs> I'm you know in my mid thirties now <laughs> and, and not a teenager. Although in my in, in my late teens and early twenties, I went through a phase of. But buying and collecting football shirts, not just Sunderland ones of, of all sorts. Um, so the, the temptation might be there. I, I kind of do disagree a bit with Paddy in the, the colourway. So I quite like the contrast between the red and the, the blue. Um, the collar, it's the collar for me. I never like a football kit that's got a, a proper fold down collar. If that was a trim um, and like was a round collar and it had that trim on the, on the collar and on the cuffs, that would be spot on for me. I, I'd, I'd really like that. Yeah, but you can't, but you can't um, put your collar up like Eric Cantona. <laughs> no, but then we're in League One. We shouldn't be. We should. It should be banned. Anything below, anything below Champions League, flipping collars should be banned. And as should coloured boots. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. you're League One for a reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I, I like it. I, I do like it. Like I said, I'd rather the collar be a round neck and a, and that red be a trim um but uh, uh you know as far as kits go it's it's fine that's right right we're coming to the end of the pod which means only one thing um it's playing away time so i'm sure you all know the rules by now i've picked a game um from our past around this time of year um and basically has got to pick the uh pick the starting lineup so if they do get a sub they get another go um i'm trying my best this time to keep like on top of the scores so at the moment John's got two points um Chris Wynn's got one point um obviously from the last time we played so I'll let um well Bomber you can go first but I'll um I'll tell you this obviously tell you the, the, what the uh the game was so it's Birmingham City nil Sunderland three from the 2014-2015 League Cup um, so it's the second round game here. We beat um, Birmingham three 0 and I always give you. I'll let's give you some sort of clues. So it's the um, Adidas home shirt we're wearing. We are at St Andrews. 
It's the one with the gold trim on it, um, and Bidvest is the sponsor. Gustavo Poyet is our manager, um, and funny enough, Lee Clark is the Birmingham manager. Now, I will say that I will say um, one of the players in our team is uh, he who he who shan't be named. So uh, that's one person who's out. Um, he was a goal scorer. So there's ten players to get for this one. Um, Bomber, I'll let you go first though. So. I was actually at this game uh, and I was in one of the boxes at St Andrews. Uh, uh, my manager at the time had a box uh, work, he had a box, so I actually went to this game. Um, so, and I know uh, Josie Altador because he scored. Josie Altador did play, but Josie Altador didn't score. Oh, God. Uh, in this one. Maybe my memory's not as good as I thought. <laughs> I'm at, I've actually been to. Um, I've been in the boxes in Birmingham, funny enough, because from, from my old job, um, and my boss was a Chelsea fan and we got in. And you actually sit like with the Birmingham fans, like right in front of you. Um, and Chelsea lost. And I had Birmingham fans hammering on this glass for about 70 minutes, taking the piss. And I couldn't give a shit what that score was. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's the one and only time I've ever done a box and I don't got bother again. Um, Paddy, I'll jump, wrap my brains, I'll jump to you so, then, mate. So the first one down is uh, Josie Altidore. Right, so I'm thinking, trying to go off... Well, I was thinking I was trying to think of who scored. Now, I'm going to go with... Let's go with Craig Gardner. Oh. Right, Craig Gardner is not... Double check this. Yeah, Gardner, no, was not in the team that day. So, Paddy, you're a life down. Paul, over to you. Okay. I don't remember the game, but I'm going to go John O'Shea just because John O'Shea, I think, has played 90% of Sutherland's entire games in the <laughs> history. <laughs> and is the, one of those 9% is this one. So John O'Shea is in the game, is in the team. Back to Bomber. Uh, so <laughs> who, who else did it may score? <laughs> may or may not have scored a goal because um, that's what I'm trying to work through. But I think... Um, Connor Wickham was up front, and I think he also scored. You remembered that one correctly. Connor Wickham did score. Right. So you didn't get that drunk. No. Paddy, back to... No, a lovely three-course meal, uh, though. It was lovely. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll go with um, Seb Larson. Seb Larson is in the team. Paul? Um, I'll go Catamol, because same reasons as John O'Shea. Lee Catamol was on the bench, so you do get to get another go. Wes Brown? Wes Brown was playing alongside John O'Shea. Um, <laughs> back to you, Bomber. So, I can't remember which... <laughs> Basically, I've said the yeah, hours at that game so I can remember it, and I've got one goal scorer wrong, and I can't remember who was in goal. So I'm going to take a guess <laughs> at Vito in goal. Well, Vito wasn't in goal, but you get another go at it. Oh, so in that case, it was Pantelimon. Pantelimon in goal, correct. Yeah, <laughs> great memory. Did you even go to this game? <laughs> was it this game? Yeah, I was definitely at this game. Uh, back to Paddy. Okay, I'll go with, because I'm fairly sure he was with us this season, um, Jordi Gomez. Jordi Gomez is him. there and he did score, correct. Yeah, there you go, I've got one. <laughs> so, back to Paul. Barini? Barini was not playing yeah. that game. Barini, so you've lost a life. So, Paul's lost a life, Paddy's lost a life, Bomber hasn't. Um, and Bomber's next. We'll go full back centre, Billy Jones. Billy Jones is there. That was, a, was that a side of despair there, Paul? No, I was going to go Jones next. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, month was it, Brett? 
So what month? Yeah. Uh, August the 27th. So back to Paddy. Needs to get this or he's out. No pressure then. Um, no pressure at all, I am, oh, I'm torn between a couple of centre-halves. I'll go with... I don't think it's going to be right, but um, Sebastian Quartes. I know he was around that season. Fortunately, you've bombed out. Oh. He wasn't there. Never so, mind. Paddy <laughs> is gone. Right, Paul. Going to go with Patrick van Anholt. He's on the bench. You get to go again. So we've got um, two left still to find. I'll run through the team. So it's Pantillamon, Billy Jones, John O'Shea, Wes Brown, some arsehole, Seb Larson, Josie Altidore, Yuri Gomez, Connor Wickham. Going to go with... I don't think Key was with us then, but I'm going to go with him anyway. Key. Nope, he'd left by that point. Ah. So Paul bombs out, which means Bomber wins it. <laughs> was Virginia in there? So your full lineup was Pantillamon, um, Santiago Virginia, ah. uh, Billy Jones, Liam Bridcut, John O'Shea, Wes Brown, that arsehole, Seb Larson, Altador, Gomez, Wickham. Um, and then on the bench was Manone, Van Arnholt, Catamol, Jack Rodwell, Will Buckley, Jackarini, um, and Stephen Fletcher. What a bench that is. So, <laughs> Jackarini. <laughs> you'd love to have that bench now, mind. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, Maybe bon- not Rodwell. Bomber goes joint top with John Stacey on playing away. So that is us done. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Bomber, been lovely to uh, see you as always. Yeah, lovely to see and speak to you all again. It's good to be back. Uh, Paul, absolute pleasure having you on. Yeah, been great to be back. Thanks, guys. And uh, Paddy, I hope I've not scared you off when you'll be back again. No, I've had, I've had a brilliant time as an exile for the first time. I hope, I hope you're back. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Um, obviously, if you haven't subscribed yet, do so from Acast, your Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to us on, subscribe. If you enjoyed it, give us a five-star review. If you didn't enjoy it, Keep it to yourself. Nobody likes the grass. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for being on board. Speak to you later. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.